what is it that you think this was a fact that I talked to Chris Fletcher about maybe it was the no it was the master distiller before Barnett yeah the tattoo game in America is strong right now people are getting a lot of tattoos I'm not one I know neither am I I have one in my dad's memorial but he made mention that Jack Daniels is the number one branded tattoo in the country with Harley Davidson being second. Now, whether it is or not, I don't have substantial facts, but I've seen a lot of Jack Daniels, old number seven style tattoos. Being in the position you are now and having the tenure you've had with these guys, the run you've had so far, we're going to get into what you do for Brown Foreman and Jack Daniels. Do you understand why that is? Is it more and more evident every day of, we just literally had a conversation 10 minutes ago about quote unquote brand loyalty. What is it? that somebody would want to like, you put that on your body. It's there. What is it about Jack Daniels? Why you would want to have it on your body? I think it's one of the things that makes this brand so unique and so cool is the fact that people would actually be willing to do that. They're permanent. There's a lot of amazing brands out there, but you could probably picture some of them sitting on someone's arm and you'd get a lot of weird looks. But when it comes to a Jack Daniels logo bottle and even our founders face, who's been dead for over a hundred years, it's not weird. In fact, there's entire communities online, Facebook page communities, you name it, of people dedicated to sharing their Jack Daniels tattoos. And it's not just old number seven. It's our new brands. It's innovation. It's Jack and Coke. It's all sorts of things. So uh, it just shows that the brand is really, really powerful in the hearts and minds of consumers. We're pretty lucky to be able to steward that along. Yeah. I've, I, you know, and I'm up at Sturgis and I, you were at Sturgis. Yep. Was it your first time? It was. Amazing, right? Incredible. The reaction to Jack Daniels by everybody from a veteran from the military to a biker, to a biker's girlfriend, to a local there, to the bottle shop, Kevin Barrelman. I mean, literally, he's a celebrity there. You're like, look at this freaking autograph line for this guy in overalls signing a barrel lid. And he's one of the coolest dudes in the world. But the the, the people of Jack Daniels, I want to talk about that for a second from one of the most amazing facts about the brand that I've always been just blown away by is that. 170 countries, give or take a few, it's sold in. And every drop is made in this little tiny part of this country. Lynchburg's not big. Tiny. It's very densely populated. The 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 distillery is amazing. Miss Mary Bobo's, the park, the square, everything that goes into this, the barrel houses. But every drop's made there. Like that's got to be unheard of that something can be so mass produced to be sold in that many places in the world. And you can get it at the highest in hotels and celebrity, or I mean, nightclubs all the way down to the darkest rooms in America, which is another badass, you know, like yep. part about this brand. But what is it about the people? Why is it? It's like, that's gotta be the number one motivating factor for people to stay involved with this brand. There's no, there's not a lot of turnover. But the people have just blown my mind. You mentioned Josh's mom today. She's one of the most hospitable people I've ever met in my life. But it seems like everybody within that little county and that little town of Lynchburg where every drop of Jack Daniels is made and not just old number seven, all of them. That's got to mean something to the brand where it blows you away to this day. The people are the best. First of all, Lynchburg, like you said, you got to want to go there. It's not a place you stumble upon. It's not conveniently located. Tiny little town in South Central Tennessee, not far from the Alabama border. Uh, but the fact is that that community of whiskey makers has been there for more than 150 years, and they are so incredibly proud of what they do. 
and what this brand means to people all over the world. And you said earlier, this is a brand that appeals to a lot of people. We say from LDA to DND, legal drinking age to damn near dead, from <laughs> bikers to bankers, from uh, fine establishments and questionable joints and everywhere in between. And that's Wait, the questionable beauty of joints? Brand. Questionable joints. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a shirt. That's a shirt. It was actually a TV ad. What was ago. the first part? Say it again. Not all of it, but the, the two L locations. LDA to DND, legal drinking age to damn near dead. Okay. From bikers, Sturgis, to, to bankers, bankers, and from fine establishments to questionable joints and everywhere in between. Wow, that's freaking cool. Questionable joints. I like that. So when you start thinking about what you do for it now, let's, let's tell the listeners that you are in charge of all of Jack Daniels for North America, which is the brand, right? You're not in charge of just sales. You're not in charge of just marketing. You're not in charge of Europe. You're not, tell me exactly what, where you're, you know, logistically in charge of and what are you in charge of? Are you in charge? Does everybody in Jack Daniels answer to you besides some of the higher up executives at Brown Foreman, the mother company? So my official title is vice president, group brand director, Jack Daniels brands, United States and Canada. So it's not full North America, but United States and Canada. It's our largest BMU in the world for the brand. And I oversee the strategy and implementation of our business in those two geographies. And so ultimately, if it touches the brand within those geographies, I have something to do with it. Now, does everybody directly report to me? No. Lynchburg, right? There's almost a thousand employees in Lynchburg. Uh, only a handful of them actually sit and reside within my team. But anything, we're very much focused on the business and the consumer. And that's what we do. You're very busy with it. You have a lot of responsibility. But I want to I make sure that our listening audience understands what you did last week in the city of Nashville, Tennessee. You attended a, a funeral, a service. When you told me this story on one of our phone conversations, I got a tear in my eye first because of America. Like, this is just when you talk about a brand and what it meant to people. And then you're like, how many times have I ordered a Jack and Coke? I mean, when I started going back, I'm like a lot, a freaking lot. And the whole time there's people like this man out there working with Angela, working with Frank Sinatra, who called it the nectar of the gods, which we'll get into. And Jack Daniels like blew up to where the allotments were. You didn't even, couldn't even make enough for a minute there. Um, tell me about this man, his family and, and what it meant to attend his service. Cause you, you took time out of your life to go attend this man's service. That, it, that, that means a lot as the brand goes. Absolutely. So the gentleman we're talking about is a, a guy named Art Hancock and, uh, Art was in his 90s. He passed away, unfortunately. Um, but Art Hancock was one of the first original marketing guys and who really paved the road for so many of us to still steward this brand later today. And he's responsible for some of the biggest decisions that the brand ever had way back before it became what it is today. So opening of the home place, uh, the establishment of a very, very unique society called our Tennessee Squire Association, uh, the opening of some of our uh, establishments in Lynchburg, opening it up to the public. Um, our, our marketing code, a lot of which we still live by today. And so having only had a chance to meet him a couple of times, he had long retired before I had joined the company. I just wanted to go and, and, and pay my respects and uh, meet some of the people and his family and just let them know that the legacy that he left at Jack Daniels is still very, very much alive. And we're more committed than ever than to just take it to the next level and take it to the next generation. And so while he wasn't somebody I personally spent a tremendous amount of time with. I just felt like it was the right thing to do. 
Uh, I borrowed Drake, uh, Greg's big Jack Daniels truck uh, that was parked up in, in Louisville and drove it down. And it was really cool to see some of his family members uh, recognize the, the, the Jack Daniels truck. Thought it was really neat to see that. And I've never been in a church before during a funeral funeral service where I've heard the words Jack Daniels muttered once, let alone by four <laughs> different people, which shows you how much it was also a part of his and his family's life. So the average consumer doesn't know anything about this this man or these type of personalities within the Jack Daniels family. I'd say probably 99% of the world's Jack Daniels drinker don't know who he was or know who barrel man is, or maybe probably only one, how many percentage of the Jack Daniels consumers have even visited Lynchburg. Right. So like the, yeah. the, the spectrum is broad of the unknown with this brand. Why is it Casey that with all of this, with all of the options out there, whether it's your finer establishments or your questionable joints, like you said, supermarkets, liquor stores, casinos, Vegas, you know, you name it. There's a lot of spirits. How has a company like this, a brand like this, been able to keep that loyalty and customer base and also acquire or entertain the new ones coming up that are becoming the LDA, you know, the, the, the legal drinking age of 21 in our country, getting out of college or still in college, legally able to go to one of these establishments and drink. How do they, is it because their dad drank it? Are, are you guys marketing efforts geared towards the new drinkers as much as they are of keeping that, that, that generational drinker that's been part of the company forever, drinking the spirits that Jack Daniels has produced? Because there's a lot of bourbons. There's a lot of whiskeys. There's a lot of people that go, man, I'm freaking this new custom one. And you know, like the craft beer explosion. And, and now the seltzers became, you know, more important than beer for a minute. Like, how do you go about that in your daily job? Do you stress out about it and talk it's to me? Hard. It's hard. It's, it's, it's got to be hard, right? It's really hard. It, and it's not an easy question to answer because it's super, super complex. This is a brand that, again, has been around almost 160 years. Uh, we enjoy a lot of things that a lot of brands in our industry would love to have. We have essentially universal distribution, universal awareness, meaning we're sold pretty much everywhere. And pretty much everybody that lives in our country or in our geography is already aware of the brand. So how do you grow? How do you innovate? How do you stay relevant? But I think you got to go all the way back to the very, very beginning. To me, what makes this brand so powerful and so unique versus so many others that are out there is it's a real brand with a real founder with a real story. And those traditions and those stories have been a part of our DNA this entire journey. We just continue to add new and new chapters to them. But we honor our past, but we always look forward to the future. We feel like as the world's most popular whiskey brand, we have permission to go play, to go innovate, to try new things. We owe it to our existing fans who love to see us try new stuff. Sometimes they don't. And they let us know that too. And we love all the feedback. But we're going to constantly honor our core, honor our past, which is old number seven and really what got us to this point. But we're also going to push forward into the future. Think about new and different innovative ways to bring the brand uh, to new consumers. I can't lie. When I looked at this countertop the last couple of nights, I took a couple pictures and it just gives you like this. I don't know if it's because I'm closer to the brand than some, not most, but some like I have a relationship with you and corporate and partnerships. But there's, I've always had a pride in the brand. I've always wanted to display the brand. I've always wanted to fly the flag of this brand. I have zero equity. I have zero ownership. I have zero stock options. I have nothing. But man, the pride I took in seeing that up there the other night, the labeling, the consistency in the messaging, the, the, the presentation. We haven't even gotten to the experience yet, which is what Jack Daniel's about. Like Kevin says, the best mixer for Jack Daniels is conversation. Um, 
but the experience of the taste and the the overall just the 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 whiskey tasting and whiskey drinking experience is on another level to me it's got to do something with qc i understand quality control and having it all right there under one roof to be able which is genius because not a lot of distillers or breweries have that in my limited knowledge of the subject matter but it seems to me like everybody that i know is like me that 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 has a bottle of single barrel and now has the chance to go get a bottle of triple mash or bonded. What a great name. If you study that word in the, the, the spirits business, genius stuff. It makes me feel like it's not, we've talked about status symbol earlier. It's almost a status symbol, but it's not even expensive. It's affordable for the, for all of these different entry levels to get into it of where you want to be. Do you feel the same way? Because you are, the main you, you run Canada and, and North America, I guess United States of America, um, for Jack Daniels, but your mother company has other offerings. You could very easily be political and say, well, someday I might be asked to go run another brand or is that, does that yeah. stuff go through your head or Absolutely. do you have that absolute pride that I do when you see it displayed? Like, I know you're part of this and you've had a hell of a year. You've had a hell of a run now because of the people that you work with. You have a great team. But does this brand hold more of a special place in your heart than any of the other spirit companies that your that your mother company owns? I, I would answer that question by saying, go back to the first thing we started talking about, tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. My wife would kill me if I got one. But if I was to get one, it would be a Jack Daniels tattoo. That's how much it's become a part of who I am. I have worked for other brands of Brown Foreman. I started working in wines. I worked on um, brands like Chambord and Tuaka and uh, brands that we no longer own at Brown Foreman. We, uh, I've worked on Woodford Reserve. Uh, hugely successful super premium brand within the portfolio. I've worked and touched on our, on our tequilas, done innovation within Brown Foreman, but for the better part of the last uh, 11 or 12 years, I've been on the Jack Daniels business and it's just become a part of who I am, it's become part of my DNA. And I think it's because of the people. I think it's because of the stories, the richness. There is so much that, that goes into this brand. And that black and white label that's been around. There's so much history that goes into that. And there's so much reverence that people have to that brand to be able to have an opportunity to steward that is truly, I think any marketer's dream. It's cool. It's Jack Daniels. It's an amazing top 100 trademark of all trademarks in the whole world. Not many marketers get a chance to do that. And so the more that I spend getting to know the people behind it, um, the stories behind it. There's an endless list of things that I can learn. And I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy it. You say learn one thing that I've learned through my fascination with music and my association with acts is that artists, you would think that maybe having, um, you know, like I'm a big time country star. I'm gonna mention Jack Daniels in a song. Jack Daniels is adding more validity and, and credibility to these songs than what that song, including Jack Daniels is. I know it's an honor to have the name mentioned and I'm talking countless times. I try to sit down and write all the Jack Daniels songs from David Allen Coe to Eric Church to Chase Rice, who, a mutual friend of ours that you introduced me to that just left our camp. Um, he's got songs about Jack. Some are good, some are bad, some are happy, some are sad, some are fighting, some are breakups, some are this, yep. whatever, celebration. But the, 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 the music part of Jack Daniels has history. There's history about why music was so important with the founder. I want you to touch on that. And then I want you to personally tell me, because you love music. We both love music. Everybody, I mean, who doesn't love music? But gosh, is there a more saying about brand in the history? I, 
there's Harley Davidson songs. I get, a, I've heard a couple, but Jack Daniels, if you do the research is freaking everywhere. Again, people want to sing about Jack, just like I want to see that on my counter. Not that I sit there and go, I'm going to get the shakes if somebody doesn't open one of these bottles right now. I'm going to get the shakes. No, it's like, wow, look at that. Look at the majesty. That's how I look at this brand. And then when I hear songs about it, I'm picturing these songwriters going, that's all about Jack. That's all about Jack. You know what I'm talking about? Talk to me about what the history of the First of all, I need to give you access to our Spotify page. So we have a Spotify playlist on the Jack team of every single Jack song that we're aware of ever written that's available on the Spotify platform. So we'll have to get get you a copy of that. But it really does go back to the founder. Mr. Jack was a really, really interesting man. Um, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Moore County, Dry County. And here we have this guy who um, created in partnership um, with a lot of people, but the founder story with uh, Nathan Nearest Green, enslaved man working for uh, Mr. Dan Call down the street who taught Mr. Jack how to make whiskey, moves down the street, opens up the distillery in the current place in which it's working right now. Um, Jack Daniels, old number seven is born, but he was a businessman. He was an entertainer and he felt like the town needed a little liveliness. And so he went out, bought the instruments and formed the silver cornet band to be entertainment for the people of Lynchburg. So it really started with Mr. Jack's connection with music. And then you fast forward quite a long time and this relationship with Jack Daniels and Frank Sinatra is born. And like you said earlier, the nectar of the gods, every single night on stage, Frank would sing. He would have it uh, Frank's way, three rocks, two fingers uh, of pour. And he would raise a toast to his people and say, this is the nectar of the gods and talk about this place, Lynchburg, Tennessee, and this brand Jack Daniels. Was he paid to do so? He was not paid to do that. In fact, at one point he was paid by another whiskey brand uh, who was sponsoring him at that particular point in time, yet he still continued to drink Jack Daniels. And his loyalty was uh, a very, very uh, important part of our secret sauce back then, then led to the rat back and other generations. But as you fast forward, the brand continued to stay relevant in music across different genres. So while a lot of people might say, Jack Daniels is rock or Jack Daniels is country. We say, no, Jack Daniels is music. It has home across all genres. And we take a lot of pride in that. We invest a lot in the early stages of, um, you know, musicians career. We host songwriters camps in Lynchburg and we invite people to come in and take inspiration from people that came before them in this magical place. Uh, we work with artists that are, haven't made it just yet. And of course we work with big artists like Chase and others. Um, so it's a brand that has become one with music. We're really proud of that. It's a part of who we are. And I think it's what's made one of the reasons it's made Jack so special with so many millions of people around the world. Do you, the, the, the cross, um, pollinating and the collaborations or all of the different besides music that you guys have been a part of you've become synonymous with let's rodeo you go to you know a major rodeo the jack tents there shoots have the logo on it um the cowboy way getting western jack daniels then you have every music festival like we just touched on from Lollapalooza to you can name several of them that you guys are either a title sponsor or a sponsor of but then you start to get down into, you know, whether it's other professional sports, whether it's um, it can't be part of NASCAR or it can. At one time it could, but it can't be anymore. <clears throat> I don't remember the law on this. You might be able to educate me on that a little bit. But the, the, the NASCAR audience is a Jack Daniels audience. You guys have become synonymous with so many different walks of life like this conversation started on. How do you yourself being the lead when your team comes into that conference room or that presentation room and they put it up on the projector and they say, Casey, this is what we're thinking. Is it hard to decipher what to go into of like, whoa, 
we got to be careful or, whoa, that's not money well spent. Or, hey, we've already done enough of that rodeo. Let's step out a little bit. We've already got their attention. We're going to keep that. They're going to be using our little black cups at the bar afterwards, at the after party for the end of time now, until the end of time now. How do you yourself and your team go about picking like, wow, that must be something cool to get into. We got to keep the name out there. We got to step on. Henry Ford said that during the depression. We're not going away. Ford's going to stay relevant, right? So when the money comes back, we're going to be there. Just because you have it doesn't mean you'll always have it. How do you go about it being the leader of what to work with? There's always way more ideas than there's time, money, or energy available to pull them off. And as much as I wish we had a a blank checkbook to go do it all, we can't. We have only so much money, so many people, and so many hours to go actually. And so it's about choice. So for us, we're pretty darn good at writing strategy. We write strategies, we stick to them, we use them as our, our guidance. And so... Um, we don't necessarily do the same things that we've historically always done because that may not be the key to success in the future. So as we talk about even with music, the, the world that Frank Sinatra was living in and the Rat Pack is very, very different than what we are today. Think about the monetization of music and fame and all of those sort of things. So as we as marketers think about it, it starts with what are we trying to do? And every day there's a new crop of people that are turning 21 that are now, um, if they choose, choosing to explore spirits, beverage, alcohol, what have you. What attracts them today is different than 10 years ago, a 21-year-old, or 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And so marketers are taking a look at what are the consumer trends and how do we make sure that the values of Jack Daniels are as relevant with this next generation as they have been. They've stood the test of time, but they've manifested themselves differently over that same time period. And it's the great challenge that keeps us up at night. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. Hopefully we get it right more than we get it wrong. Uh, But we're always going to be testing and trying new things. Uh, You mentioned sponsorships. So yes, we were in NASCAR for a really, really long time. It's a market that we had penetrated quite successfully. Uh, But at that particular point in time, there was other sports that were also gaining in in popularity that were more relevant with certain 21 to 29-year-old age groups the NBA. Um, There's pockets where baseball is very popular, the NFL. So as legal um, laws on beverage alcohol sponsorship evolve, not only nationally, but within states and even sometimes cities, we're going to absolutely take a look at those and see if we can find mutually beneficial partnerships that allow us to effectively engage with those new consumers. And so right now I can tell you in Nashville, which you spent a lot of time, you know, we got a longstanding partnership with the Nashville Predators long-standing partnership with the Tennessee Titans. That's our home state. We're going to probably over-index in sports relationships in our home state than we're able to do in all 50 states, if that makes sense. So um, it's not a perfect answer. It's what we do every single day is constantly challenge and push ourselves to figure out new ways to think differently. When you're thinking about new ways to do things differently, explain to me really quick what the term or definition would be of top shelf. And where does Jack Daniels lie with their offering? When I go into a bar, where am I going to see the old number seven? Is it going to be in a gun? Not a gun, but whatever you call the hose. Is it, yep. What is that called? A gun? It is called a gun. Okay, yeah, a bar, gun. Rail gun. I yep. don't know if you should ever talk about guns. No, and alcohol. no. I don't mean that. Um, but Jack Daniels is always readily available right there to grab because yep. it's so sought after. But then you got J- GJ, Gentleman Jack. Then you got Single Barrel. Then you got the flavors of Tennessee Honey and Tennessee Fire and Tennessee Apple. Is there a top shelf Jack Daniels? What does top shelf mean? And when I'm thinking in my mind of marketing, of creating that like aura of a brand, do you want to be known as top shelf with old number seven because it is so good, but it is affordable? Is that such a thing or is top shelf only constituted towards a price point? 
I think top shelf is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, really? what, what one person thinks is top shelf might be Jack Daniels old number seven. Somebody else might be looking at something that's priced a hundred dollars or more, which is why in recent years, as we focused on expanding the portfolio, the breadth of the portfolio, we truly do have different offerings to meet different needs, different occasions and different consumers at different price points. And the whiskeys very much support each of those uh, different positionings, if you will. So you start with old number seven, tried and true. We call it our beating heart. If Jack is not strong, it's really hard to innovate off of a, a, a weak trademark. And so keeping Jack Daniels strong and keeping that beating heart healthy is paramount to everything that we do. Over the last 10 or 11 years, we've done some flavor introduction. And so that's something that I did. I led the, the uh, launch of Jack Honey and Jack Fire and Jack Apple, both domestically, and had a chance to do that globally as well. And those brands played a very significant role of introducing whiskey-curious people, people that love what Jack Daniels stands for. They might even have a T-shirt, call them T-shirt wearers, but they don't drink Jack Daniels or they don't drink whiskey because it might not meet their taste profile. It might be a little too strong for them, whatever you might have. But by lowering the proof a little bit to 70 proof, adding a nice approachable flavor, it gives them a chance to enter into Jack Daniels, be a part of this brand, be a part of this world, but meet their flavor profile. Um, it's also maybe set a little bit more sessionable for, for some people. You flip that on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have our super premium portfolio, which long lasting brand gentleman Jack was really the first. Uh, about a 10 years after Gentleman Jack was created, Jack Daniel's Single Barrel was created. And then for a long time, we didn't do a whole lot in Super Premium. But over the last decade, the, the bourbon renaissance of, of popularity, the resurgence of popularity in American whiskey and the interest in American whiskey, um, that's where a ton of the growth has come from. And, you know, candidly, we were probably a little bit slow to the game in terms of releasing some of these things. You can't snap your finger in whiskey come up with an idea and sell it tomorrow. We got to plan. It takes years, right? We got to age these products. We got to go out and plan accordingly and we're going to go do it right. So what we've seen is a lot more limited releases from Jack Daniels. Our single barrel got things started about four, a little over four years ago with Jack Daniels single barrel special release heritage barrel, which made the top 20 list of that year's whiskey advocate top 20 whiskeys of the year. That really got people's attention going, whoa, Jack Daniels is making some really, really interesting stuff provided a nice halo to our existing Jack Daniels single barrel offerings. Um, and then just last year, this one that's right here in front of me, I know that is near and dear to your heart, Coy Hill. Uh, this is a super, super unique product that was arguably potentially a, a kind of a nice surprise, if you will. Uh, a, the max proof that any whiskey can go to a barrel is 125 proof. I think you've talked to Chris and Lexi about that stuff, but, um, we have three warehouses at the top of Coy Hill, and at the very, very, very top of those warehouses, we, we have what's called the Buzzard's Roost, which was really about expanding our storage opportunities for, for barrels as we were expanding production. These barrels, somehow, some way, were yielding over 140 proof, which is done, has been done so few times in the history of American whiskey. They're often referred to as unicorns. And I'll never forget when Fletcher, he, he reached out to me, texted me, he's like, dude, I found a unicorn. I found a 141. And, and I think there's more. And we're like, whoa, that's crazy. So it turns out that's, that's what, what Coy Hill um, High Proof ended up being. And it really caught the world's attention, uh, drove a huge demand on the secondary market, but again, provided a halo effect to our existing Jack Daniels single barrel line, which has been as hot as it's ever been. All of that was leading up to now a more permanent, more meaningful new introduction which was the release of the Bonded series. So Jack Daniels Bonded, Jack Daniels Triple Mash, 
bottled and bond whiskeys, um, which are in theory readily available every day um, at a very affordable price point, but giving consumers a, a different way to, to drink Jack Daniels. And so um, that's a little smattering of what's been going on in the world of, of super premium. And the last one that I'll mention is convenience. You know, so this RTD category has been absolutely exploding over the last few years. And uh, Jack's been in that space for quite some time with our malt-based country cocktails business. But spirit-based has really been uh, something that a few other competitors have paved the road, made it way more um, exciting from a category, both from trade and consumer. So we, we released Jack and Cola, not Jack and Coke. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Jack Honey Lemonade and Jack Apple Fizz, which is essentially Jack Apple Soda and a little bit of lemon water. So we released those into the market and we're expanding distribution. And that's all about convenience, allowing people to have brand in hand. You think about all the cocktails you make, even your cup right there. If you make a Jack and Coke in that cup, no one else around you has any clue what you're drinking, right? After it's left the bottle and it's in your cup, people have no idea. But now here in a couple of months, we're going to be launching in partnership with the Coca-Cola company, Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola, the original Coca-Cola formula, their syrup and taking the world's most popular bar call, which is Jack and Coke, and putting that together in a can is a super, super powerful and exciting proposition. One that we're really, really pumped up about. When you say bar call, does that mean that statistically that's the number one cocktail ordered in America's bars? Branded bar call. So the, the, number, one, the number one cocktail in the world is a margarita, right? So hey, Explain that to me real quick, because I only order margaritas when I'm at a Mexican restaurant. You're telling me that Americans order that many margaritas at just regular establishments yep. more so than a Jack and Coke Yep. more so than an old fashioned. So the top 10 drinks. So you've got old fashions, you've got, you know, uh, gin and tonics, all these different cocktails. Those are typically ordered with a generic alcohol substitute, right? Whatever's so in the hope. Whatever's in whatever. The, and then there's only one on that list. That's an actual brand Jack. And it's actually two brands, Jack and Coke, right? So that again, reiterates the power of that brand of what Jack means to people, that it's not whiskey and Coke, it's Jack and Coke. So now to be able to take a top 10, the number one bar, branded bar call, a top 10 overall bar call and put it in a can, it's pretty exciting not only for Brown Foreman, Jack Daniels, but also our friends at Coca-Cola. Do bartenders have to notify the customer or consumer, Casey, that it's Jack and Pepsi like a waitress has to do, which drives me nuts. It can happen in bars. I mean, certainly. There's just no way that it tastes yeah. the same though, right? Like, do, can has Jack Daniels led to more bar or, you know, establishment owners getting into the Coke business instead of Pepsi because of that bar call? I, 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 I could not did? speculate. I could not speculate, but obviously there are contracts and those are the things that we're going to run into even with this relationship because obviously Pepsi is a big company and has a lot of relationships as well. And um, we're just going to have to figure that out. Do you have any, um, do you have any proof or, um, knowledge of the first one that was ever done like where it was who ordered it why they tried it when jack i would first... butcher the story to be honest oh, there with is you. A story, yeah though. there's a story uh, our national brand ambassador et e um who's Love an awesome e. awesome guy you've met him a few times i think he's got the story a little bit more factual so i'd probably i'd probably punt that one to him but uh there definitely is a story behind that jack and coke is the number one branded bar call in the country. So when you start talking about America and you, I was at a bar called TNT in Verona, Italy one time, watched the outdoor opera, went over to this little bar, started speaking the limited Italian that I had to the bartender. And he says, Jack Daniels, very popular in Italy. Why is that? Is there a lot of work being done behind the scenes? You said you were a world leader at one time of the flavors. Is there a lot of work being done worldwide 
like there is over here to keep that Absolutely. brand. Jack Daniels is actually larger. Tennessee whiskey. We sell more Tennessee whiskey outside of the United States than we do inside the United no States. Way. Yeah. So it's available in 170 countries, the most widely distributed single whiskey brand, the largest single whiskey brand in the world. Um, and so that didn't happen overnight either, right? This has been a long time coming. There's even remnants in certain countries that date back to World War II and whiskey coming across with some American soldiers. But really, it's been the investment of, of Brown Foreman over the last several decades to establish distribution agreements and really invest in bringing Jack Daniels to the world. And that's where we were ahead. And a lot of brands are playing catch up, trying to trying to you know catch up with Jack Daniels outside of the United, United States. But we've got a great, great team of talented people. Uh, we have offices all over the world, thousands of employees that are dedicated their their uh, their efforts around Jack Daniels and the other Brown Foreman brands. It's it sold more outside of the United States, you're saying, in total in total, you know, production, but is it as popular in other countries as it is here? Like, would you go from an index perspective? There's some countries where it's more popular. Really? Yes. Because there's fewer options where there's hundreds, there's an endless number of whiskeys available in the United States, right? It's where it comes from bourbon, Tennessee, whiskey, American whiskeys, malt whiskeys. We have it all here, but outside of that, it's primarily been a scotch game and American whiskey has been really starting to eat into that Japanese whiskey, other whiskeys, from around the world, Irish whiskey, obviously. Um, but Jack was really there first and really solidified its place. But now you do have more and more brands coming into the market. But naturally, if you're whiskey curiosity and you're picking from a set of 50 instead of a, a set of 5,000, the chances of, of rising to the top are certainly better. When you start thinking about the everywhere where you can buy Jack off-premise, so it's not, in a, you know, it's not at a bar and it's up there on the shelf, what is the mindset in the QC part of this of there every taste of Jack that I have is consistent, right? But there's an education process of the barrel and the wood and the one-time use and everything that goes into that from the cooperage, you know, from the sawmill to the cooperage to the whiskey going in it and sitting there for, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's four to seven years to be a Jack Daniels product. Old number seven is four years. Um, how, when you go to liquor shops, like right down here where we're at right now, we just went to the bottle shop yesterday and I went straight to the Jack section to see what was offered. I went to the little bottle selection, I guess you would call those airplane bottles, to see what was offered. How do you, how does the taste stay the same so consistently? Is there measurements obviously put in place to do this, but with that, that, that wood, it seems like there would be so much room for air I know the charcoal and, the, and all of that part goes into this, but how how important is that? Because I've never had like way up here is it's way different than here. There's, this one's skunky compared to this bottle right here. It's all the same, but it seems to me like there's so much room for air the way that it's made. Is that ignorant to say? Because I don't I don't understand how it it, it maintains its color and flavor so easily. I, I think that there's a, a misperception. Um, in the world that big equals bad or that big equals you cut corners and mass produced means that it's not high quality. And if you visit us in Lynchburg, which I know you have many, many times, we invite everybody to come and visit us in Lynchburg. We, we operate with an extremely high level of transparency. There's no secrets. Um, but one of the things that our size allows us to do is to invest in every single part of the process 
to maintain that consistency. So we are the only major distillery that employs a team of foresters, has our own stave mills, has multiple cooperages to make our own our own uh, barrels. We make our charcoal for Tennessee whiskey, um, Lincoln County process mellowing. We make it ourselves on site, in the public eye for people to see themselves. You get a chance to go and walk through the mellowing process. Um, our aging process, we have 92 warehouses across two counties. We have a lot to whiskey to choose from. And then, of course, um, that allowing that whiskey, we, we, we have a lot that we can learn from. So different warehouses produce different personalities. You blend most of them together, you're going to get old number seven. And that's how you're getting your consistency. I skipped another important factor, which is our commitment to uh, yeast, our yeast cultivation process, a hugely important part of the process in terms of creating alcohol in the first place. Uh, we have an entire microbiology apartment, department who has been cultivating the same yeast strand since prohibition, keeping it alive, cultivating it. There are cheaper, easier ways to do it. A lot of folks just buy bulk yeast, dump it in in a bag, and you get the job well, you done. You said since prohibition, like the 1930s? Correct. It's been cultivated. In, For almost 100 uh, we, years. we have it backed up, cryo chambers in Lynchburg, in Louisville, and other places. Wow. And we don't have to do that. And so again, uh, whiskey, there's a lot, there's a lot of cool things going on in whiskey. There's a lot of amazing innovation, but there's also a lot of, um, I wouldn't call it deception per se, but we want people to know that we got nothing to hide at Jack Daniels. Come down visit us. We're going to show you everything. Uh, we believe we're the most complete whiskey distillery on the planet. And so size doesn't equal bad. Big doesn't mean uh, mass produced. We are committed to the craft of making whiskey consistently for old number seven and pushing the boundaries of whiskey making capabilities on the super premium side. And we think that the, the, the size and resources we have is an advantage, not a disadvantage. Is there truth that whiskey is the only true spirit or the only like, okay, I'm, I don't want to like get confrontational here that if you're not a, if you're a man you got to drink whiskey i'm not trying to sound like that it's true just kidding but is vodka real like talk to me about the stealing differences of i can't i don't i don't even like look at it or have a a, a, a palate maybe or i don't even have anything in my mind telling me i want to order a red bull and vodka i don't want to order a vodka soda with lime i nothing tells me to ever do that a gin and tonic you mentioned uh, a rum and coke that's another one you know they say rum and coke that's not a brand call but uh, rum and coke is pretty popular there's a lot of them out there is is whiskey really the only true alcohol that it, that all of these processes that you just named are put in place for no no i look you may not drink uh vodka tonic or red bull vodkas or things like that but tens of millions of people do i mean sure vodka is a huge 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 business because a lot of people really enjoy it i think there's the way I would describe it, I think there's romance in whiskey because okay. you can't make it today and sell it tomorrow. It's truly a handcrafted process of taking grains and introducing water and yeast and fermenting and, and distilling and then aging. And so nature plays a huge part in it. I think when you talk about vodka, it doesn't mean that there aren't phenomenal vodkas that are out there and being made. There are, but you can be made and sold in a few days later. And so I think that the, the, the time and commitment that it takes to make a whiskey is what really turns whiskey people on. There's so much depth of story. Uh, there's so many different ways that people can tell their stories. I mean, we all start with the same rules. And so how you end up with all these different brands is really, really cool. And I think why the popularity, how many people have whiskey collections versus how many people have vodka collections? I mean, the whiskey collection business is massive. 
Uh, I, I've never personally heard of anybody that has 150 or 500 vodkas. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I'm sure somebody probably does. But in whiskey, it's a very common practice. There's entire communities of people that are out there searching for those unicorns, trying to find those whiskeys, building out their story. Um, they even are starting to call them bourbon or whiskey libraries because it's truly that sophisticated in terms of how much depth there is on this amazing American spirit. Let's stay on the line, <clears throat> excuse me, of American spirits. You live in Louisville. Are you from Louisville? I was born in New Jersey. Know nothing about it. Family moved to Louisville right afterward. Back to New Jersey and then to Boston all before kindergarten. So all of these friends that you have here are? They're from, they're from Louisville. So my, my dad was in the steel business, and uh, every couple of years he got bounced around to different places. And really, I don't have a lot of memories from New Jersey and my first stint in Louisville. But um, a cool plug for the city of Louisville is my family's in Boston. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, my dad's company got got purchased and um, asked to relocate again. He said um, to my mom, hey, we've got these two boys now. Where were we happiest? Where was the favorite place that we um, ever lived? And let's go there and let's go raise our family. And their favorite place was Louisville, Kentucky. So moved to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, when I was a little after 10 years old, my brother, a couple years younger, and uh, that's been home for my, for, for my family ever since. I went away for a little while, and uh, I went to school in Ohio at Miami University, and then um, did a stint in Maryland with Brown Foreman for a few years, doing a different job within the company. But Louisville's essentially been home for you know, the better part of my life. So growing up with the, the guys you have here with you, your friends, and also you know being around the community there, talk a little bit about the bourbon trail as it relates to Tennessee whiskey, the differences, what does Tennessee sour mash mean? What is charcoal? What differentiates a Kentucky bourbon on the trail from a Tennessee whiskey? Are there as many Tennessee whiskeys as there are bourbons? I would guess not. And has it been personally, um, that has it been like a mission of yours to like educate all these cats that are in here probably go dude you got if you're not drinking bourbon like has, has it been tough for you or did they automatically transition to jack daniels when when their when their boy casey went to work for him how how has that worked out being so louisville? louisville is the bourbon epicenter i mean it just is there are are more bourbon enthusiasts in louisville than really anywhere else um, it's where the vast majority bourbon can be made anywhere in the United States. It doesn't have to be made in Kentucky, although the vast majority is made from within that, that region. Um, so to answer the question about bourbons versus Tennessee whiskeys, there are way more bourbons than there are Tennessee whiskeys, but let's go ahead and just address the is Jack Daniels bourbon question that we get all of the time. The only thing that differentiates Tennessee whiskey from bourbon is Tennessee whiskey goes through one additional process and that's charcoal mellowing, which happens after distillation before it goes into the barrel. And that's the charcoal filtration process. That's the only difference. Now that is not an additive process, which therefore does not disqualify it from being a bourbon. It is a subtractive process. So you think about a Brita filter and purifying your water, doing that with a distillate is going to remove some of the highs, um, some of the, the fatty acids and things that, um, aren't necessarily a bad thing, but it just ends up with a very clean, um, clean, smooth spirit on the back end. And so again, when you visit us in at Jack Daniels in Lynchburg, you can taste a pre and post charcoal filtration process to see exactly the impact that it has on our whiskey and what makes Jack a Tennessee whiskey. Doesn't mean it's not a bourbon, but we choose to call it a Tennessee whiskey because it's bourbon plus that extra step. Bourbon plus the extra step. Yep. Talk about real quick how important you mentioned water just now in the filtration. How important is the water process and how does that pertain to the history of the brand? 
So water is hugely important. And one of the reasons that you see so many distilleries in Kentucky and Tennessee is there's a massive um, platma, I don't know what you would call it, but um, uh, limestone, it's, it's limestone uh, within, within the environment, right? And so limestone removes iron from water. If you make whiskey with water that has iron in it, it turns black makes terrible whiskey. Now you can take city water and filter it and things like that. But if you're pulling large sources of water, as you've seen in Lynchburg coming from the cave system, uh, that water is naturally iron free, which makes great whiskey. And the same could be said about Kentucky. I mean, all, the entire state of Kentucky is pretty much sitting on a huge limestone slab, um, as is much of, of Tennessee. Mount Rushmore has four presidents on it. Everybody says, Belding, what's the you guys are going to love this, the Mount Rushmore of baseball players. Because, I mean, or athletes. I mean, if it was the Mount Rushmore of athletes, Casey Nelson, they would all be baseball players. We well, go. if you ask Jack over there, go. he'd probably say a young man named Cassius Clay and his brother, all that. Great story. I'll let Jack tell the details when he's on the uh, an episode sometime. But if you were sitting down, which you are, and you had to tell me the Mount Rushmore of spirits, there's four. Is there a Mount Rushmore of spirits? Because to me, there's only one. Like, would it be standalone? Is there another spirit that's ever been on this level is my point. Is there a vodka? Is there a rum? Is there another whiskey? Are you going to get in trouble for saying this because your mother company has a lot of offerings? But is there anybody else spirit-wise on the Mount Rushmore of spirits? And not just whiskey, any spirit. I think that there is. I mean, there's a lot of amazing, amazing brands. Um, I don't think that you could create a Mount, a Mount Rushmore of spirits without Jack Daniels being a part of it. I think there's other brands that have earned their their way there give them to as me. well. Give nope, them to me. nope. You're come gonna on, give me one. You gotta give me come one. Up, you're gonna come up with your own. Uh, <laughs> you gotta with your own one. list. You have to list. give me one that's on this Mount Rushmore. I don't know of any. Think about the other brands that make their way into songs. Typically, pop culture makes that that designation. So. Um, Jim Beam's been in one, but they're not on the Mount Rushmore, are they? What there, there's a there's there's a a brand from Mexico that's been in quite a few. Jose songs. Cuervo would be on the Mount Rushmore. There's a well, I'm just saying brands that are synonymous with an individual name. If you just say the name, people can immediately associate what it is. So when people say Jack, you know we're talking about Jack Daniels. There's other brands that if you say the name, people associate with it. Um, we think we'd like to think that Jack Daniels has got the most prominence in that space, but uh, there's there's some there's a lot of amazing brands out there. Oh, that is so PC. That was an awesome answer right there. <laughs> that is not what I was going after because I don't know of any other brand that would be. I went to Mount Rushmore at Sturgis yeah. this year. What awesome a freaking place. cool place Incredible. in America. That entire area of South Dakota is worth seeing. Good people too. Good good Black people. Hills. Incredible. Such a neat area. Um. Talk to me about my man tree. And I keep saying my man tree, his name's not man tree. I nicknamed him tree. <laughs> As you start to grow into this position, I mean, there's going to be a time where you have to be protected. I'm sure because you are running this brand right here. Does this man fill in the role as that guy that gets people out of the way when you need to go to the bathroom, like make sure nobody messes with you. Be honest with me. Like, is that why he's a great dude? He's a lovable dude, but is the real reason you have him here is to like, keep people like me in line and to keep us in check. Is there like a, is there like a vision for this man in your future? <laughs> Talk to uh, me. Let's, let's blow his head up a little bit, but let's let, I got to give first a, a shout out to our man that we hunted with out in California, Mr. Jay Johnson, who uh, was we got in, invited to be here this week and unfortunately couldn't with uh, something Jay. going on with the RNDC 
uh, team this week. And so uh, you were kind enough to let me drag a couple of my buddies along, including my brother, but uh, Tree, AKA in real life, Mr. Chris Greco. Uh, great group of people that really I met through um, uh, Arkansas duck hunts and whiskey. I mean, We've done a lot of bourbon tastings, blind tastings, some really good stories with with these guys. But uh, whiskey and, and duck and turkey camps is really how we all kind of bonded. And now we got uh, Mike Driscoll lives up in, in uh, New York, I guess, north of New York in Connecticut. We got Hunter Dawson in from, from uh, North Carolina. We got Mike Summerfield, who splits his time between uh, South Carolina and Louisville and wherever other vacation homes he has all over the country. Um, we've got my he's brother. Killing it. Yeah. Did you just kind of say he's yeah, killing he, it? Yeah. He's crushing the game. Oh, Nicknamed BVG, big vacation guy. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and it's, what a stuff. Yeah. Huh? And we, he's a, and he's a boxer. Yeah. We got my, we got my younger brother here, um, who also works at the company and is an incredible graphic designer works on not only Jack Daniels, but all of Brown Foreman's brands here uh this week and then we got another really good family friend mr jack smith who uh, i think you did a little calling lesson with uh earlier uh earlier today who um, i've known i grew up with his kids uh many moons ago and uh excited to have him here as well incredible waterfowler uh really good friend of my uncle's as well so got an awesome squad of people plus a lot of folks that you brought in this week so it's been it's been a good time do you ever feel as a man with your role um i i was talking with chase earlier you have a network, right? You travel, you, you just mentioned Jay. I mean, every time I talk to you, you're like here, you've been in Europe, you, you travel to a lot of different places. You have a family of, uh, you know, a group of friends and comrades down in Lynchburg, Nashville, you know, Tom and Tommy Miller. Like, do you ever find it difficult to keep up with the maintenance it takes to have an unbelievable friendship, even though that friendship can stand the test of time without being a prima donna or without being overcompensating or without being like in their ear all the time. I get it. Boys are boys. But do you ever find it personally hard or become personally difficult to stay in touch with all of them to keep a, a healthy friendship going? Or do you ever like wake up and go, damn it. I haven't texted that dude forever. I wonder what he or she's doing. Is, that's is not a problem thing? with this group because we got a text string that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I can imagine it. It's not uncommon to wake up to like 45 missed text messages. You blink and there's, some, there's something the going on. Is, come on, be honest. Does Somerville have the green text? Well, Does he have the green phone? Well, he's always the last one to respond because he sleeps I, in every morning. I knew so. it, dude. Uh, <laughs> that's, why he, that's why when I was getting on him a little bit, he looked at me and I'm like, that dude, I bet you he has bodyguards. Yeah, probably. I bet you, I bet you, because he, he's low. We're waiting on him to buy the PJ and quit flying Spirit Airlines and and and. Uh, he's gonna others, buy the PGA. Yeah. No, he's got uh, big money. Oh, no, I know no, you're yeah, that. I'm yeah, just kidding. No, but he's gonna punch me. No, I, I, I think this. you know, keep him away from me. Your question is 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 legit because I think in life, and I got two young kids, a job that has me on the go a whole heck of a lot, and yeah, you have so many networks. I don't know how you do it. You've got way more than I do. I feel do. guilty all the time. But I, I, I think over time, naturally, your 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 group kind of shrinks down a little bit. But this is what I think is so cool about experiences that we're having this week is haven't seen Mike in a while, haven't seen the other Mike in a while, haven't seen Hunter in two years. Uh, haven't seen some of the yet, let alone all of us together. Now, there's rarely two days go by that there's not a text message with this group. But you all come together in this camp to have a good time, crack a couple bottles of Jack Daniels, and it's like nothing. It's like nothing happened. I mean, it's been two days, not two years. And so I just think that's really, really cool. Thank you for having us. No, I appreciate y'all being here. They're a great group of dudes, and I've had a blast. So, and it's like, it's always like the mindset of on to the next. You know, I, that's what I 
I love my life, you know, and I, I value it. I'm so blessed to have it, but I get really sentimental about, you know, like, man, now it's over tomorrow and then I'm on to the next. And then I'm having this conversation with the next. And then it's like, well, who do I become friends with? Who do I stay friends with? Who do I want to be friends with? Who do I maintain a relationship with? You know, like it's always yep. like a battle within me because you can't, you've already mentioned it earlier with the company and your brands, you know, with the, your guys' strategy is like, you can't do too much. There's, you got to stay in your lane. A lot of times we've talked about it on the couch earlier today too, of like, you got to become really good at what you're doing before you expand. It is exactly what Jack Daniels did with this bottle before they started to expand into other areas. And then eventually the flavors and everything they're doing now. But with, with me, I'm always like, man, it's on to the next, it's on to the next. I'm here making great memories and friendships with these guys, but I don't know if I'll ever talk to any of them again i mean one of the guys is a professional lizard hunter too and he's i mean do i ever get to see him again with all of those lizards he's going to be catching and i in that gear he wears so like i question myself like he'll probably never talk to me again i probably pissed him off today with my speech right so like how do you like bat like i battle myself within casey nelson of like dang it, i would love to stay in touch with these guys right but then it's like do they want to stay in touch with me do we probably get, not do we, <laughs> Do we exchange phone numbers? Do we do it? Like, how do you go about that? Like, do you just go into every situation going, everybody I meet, I'm going to stay friends with? Because I'd love to stay in touch with these guys, right? How do you do that in, in your position? You're Not always that. around new people. You're always getting introduced to all these people. Your, your ability to develop a larger network is right in front of you. And I'm sure it goes for everybody in here with as successful as they all are. How does a human yeah. being go about like, I'm going to be friends with that one? Or is it just naturally happen when it sticks? So I would say I grew up, my brother and I, our dad is, uh, his nickname is the mayor. And since he has a Boston accent, it's the mayor everywhere he goes. Um, and he has been a very successful business person his whole life um, in the steel business, still working at over 70 years old. Um, but he instilled in us really, really early on that titles, seniority, superior, that's all BS. And still to this day, he rarely goes a week without going out to the production line in the plant to, to the folks that are rolling the steel and doing the, the hard, hard manual labor work and checking in on them and seeing how their kids are doing, remembering their names. It takes a lot of energy, but it's got to become a priority. I saw that from him, and that's what I try to take into how I manage my the work side of, of my life, right? As I've grown in my career, as I try to make it um, as least hierarchical as possible, Everyone plays a role. Anyone can have a great idea. And I think that when you've met so many people at Jack Daniels, when we're all together, titles don't matter. We're all have it, we're all here to make this brand better off tomorrow than, than we found it today. And I think that carries over into my personal life. But as far as energy goes, I, I, I don't, now that I've got two kids and practices three nights a week and games on the weekends and birthdays and all these other things, you naturally, I think your personal group does grow kind of slow down a little bit and you make those choices to put your energy around the people that fill your bucket that make you feel the best that are are living or inspiring you in certain ways like you said it these dudes are all so insanely successful and everybody does something very very different it's not like they're all in the same trade and that's awesome to be around people i mean they're they're cutting business deals all the time thinking about different investments and how to push and make each other better and i think surrounding yourself with people that are going to make you better is is the way to go not surrounding yourself with people that are going to bring you down i know we talked about that a lot with um, other folks in camp this week so that's my philosophy doesn't mean i always get it right i may mess it up but the intention hopefully you know stays pretty pure so as you leave this camp tomorrow after we have a great last day which we're going to optimistically speaking do you 
do you go, you know, the maintenance of these friendships that you have here right now, does this continue to where you automatically put it on the books for next year because this one went so well, or this one was what you needed and you don't want to go another two years without seeing one of them. Like, are you automatically thinking right now? Like, Hey, let's, let's do, I know you guys are tight, but I I sure hope so because we had, we had an Arkansas duck trip that went on for, for years. And I was a late arrival to that group, but they were, they welcomed me in and uh, we did that for last weekend in January for quite a few years. And unfortunately COVID totally blew that thing up and it hasn't happened. hasn't come back. And I hope that we leave here, on the drive home from Louisville to Louisville tomorrow night. And hopefully if y'all up for, uh, we got to get that back on the books and see if we can't, you know, make this a, an annual type of thing. Cause certainly I think it's good for, it's good for the soul. Uh, it's good to a lot of laughing. Um, and I think we'll all go back to our families and our businesses refreshed and ready to rock and roll. So where does that leave us besides your leaving me that hat? Um, <laughs> where does it leave us as, communication goes extending the the invites the all you know as far as like relationship wise are you can you take somebody like me in the position that you're at me being associated with the brand and develop this type of friendship or is it something that you have to look at it very strategically also like hey I can only be around building for this amount of time, which is naturally, <laughs> I get that. But how does that work within your reins? Like, are you allowed to develop a, a, a out of box friendship with me or an out of the office friendship with me when there might be a come a time where you have to give me a recommendation or you might have to talk to one of your, one of your team members of my negotiations of the next contract. You know, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to, to, to me, we all work with a lot of different people and there are certain things that are going to be transactional. And then you gravitate towards people where you got something in common. And so, you know, um, you know, Chase, who was here, we work with a lot of artists. I'm not personal friends with all of them. He and I hit it off over a bond over our mutual love for, for hunting, uh, our, our love for whiskey and really got to know each other in a more personal level. And yes, there's times we work together from a business capacity try to keep the personal side out of that. And I would say the same thing for, for you and other people that we have. It's like, if we all understand that we have to do what is, is right for, for all parties, we find mutually beneficial ways of moving forward. Hopefully we can, we can continue to do that. Um, but you know, people gravitate towards people that I think make them feel good and fill their bucket and kind of have that mutual respect for each other. And, um, I think that's, that's what we've seen this week. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I appreciate you having the confidence in me to bring these guys around, even though they're like fucking overrated. <laughs> First word that comes to mind. Um, pretty good conversationalist. <laughs> like, but it's 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 really cool, I think, where I was going with that whole part of my conversation with the networking is like, how how do you keep that quality of the... Because our, our, I feel like our conversation, I feel like my experiences with this brand have brought me so much so like naturally my stress or my anxiety is like man i really want to make you know let casey see that i'm i want to work hard i want to do this i want to you know have longevity and tenure with this brand because if if i really put it in a nutshell like i don't know of any other like sets not my just myself but our brands apart it's like what do you mean Jack Daniels presents? Like people ask me this all the time. How are you working with Jack Daniels? You're a duck hunter. And I'm like, it's just awesome. But I never can give him an answer. I can't, I can't go like, Oh, well, well, think you know, about how, think about how this started though. Right. It was relationships. 
What you were hunting with Rock? Chris Burt and Rock, yeah. Yeah. And Chris Burt was in camp. He was the said, first one and, to sign me and, and then and, let me go. And then Chris Chris called me when I was put into this position to lead the trademark uh, about a little over three years ago. And it's like, hey, you, you two should should hit it off. And, you know, ultimately your commitment to conservation, telling stories, the this life ain't for everybody, talking to such a wide range of people from musicians. Some are mutual fans, some are totally new. Some may love Jack Daniels, some may hate Jack Daniels, but you're you're telling if interesting different stories in a unique way. Um, and I tell you what, a story is always made a little better with a little splash of whiskey. Conversation. That's it. So me and you are going to leave this table right now. We're going to start, I'm going to cooking this pasta. I'm going to start browning up some ducks. I got this whole like vision in my mind. I'm a visionary case in case you didn't know that. Okay. I use the art of visualization a lot. It's all I got. Like, I really like want to have this process in my mind and like, like implement it and then see it all the way through. So if I said you have to visualize one of these dudes right here to have a drink with me and you after you had to pick one. One, based on sense of humor, based on intelligence, wittiness, cleverness, off the cuff. Like, I could pick one. I know which one I'm taking. Right? Like, <laughs> I got the first pick I, in the draft. I, I want to, is Cody still here? Because I'm, I'm hoping at some point we do this wrestling match that we've been talking I about. I would smoke his ass. Like, big time. Good I luck. Would. Like, I'm not afraid of that. Did you see how little he is? <laughs> <laughs> is he in here? He's out here. Is he in oh, he's gone. <laughs> he is. He's lucky. He'd come onto the set right now. It's cool that you have a group of friends that you guys stay in touch with. And it's cool that hunting is like that common denominator. When I started Banded, our, our, the slogan I came up with is that hunting is the common denominator that brings all these walks of life together. I know that you're yep. a very prevalent golfer. I hate golf, but I understand why people do it. I'm just so sh- terrible at it that I never wanted to invest any more time because you got to put so much time to become good at all the different aspects of the game. The pieces of the game. How come right? you didn't volunteer golfers to be the best athletes last night? I think they're great golfers, great golfers, but they're not baseball players, <laughs> like by any means. Um, but the the that whole aspect of the common denominator. I don't know if there's a better place in the world that you can get to know somebody on the same level as you can in this atmosphere. I've always said that if duck camp, turkey camp, deer camp, yep. fish camp, the outdoors conservation, mother nature, the man upstairs, however spiritual you are, um, which I'm, I want to be better at all of those aspects of my life. I've always thought that you could really formulate and nurture a relationship with a lot of different walks of life yep. of sitting down and getting to know them in a duck blind or cutting, breaking bread with them or opening a bottle of old number seven and just sipping on it around a campfire. I've gotten to know so many people at such a different level than I ever imagined because everybody's vulnerable in a state of vulnerability at duck camp because they're never going to be bigger than the hunt. They're 100%. never going to be more important than the sunrise. And I've always said that with banded and banded. Um, I've always said that with banded. I'm just trying to get that name out there as many times. It's called SEO, Casey, search engine optimization. So I know a little bit about I've that. I've never, I know you do. I've never, I've never wanted to take that for granted. That's why I was saying when we yeah. leave here, when do we get to see each other again? Yeah. When do I get to see Tree again? Well, I'm going to see you Besides next week. I'm going to see you next week in Nashville. Tree's going to be on that slapping contest, dude. Oh yeah. That slap he world slap it. championships. He would kill somebody. Have so, you seen his paws? So to, to me, I, if I look back at my childhood, some of my fondest memories were I, I didn't learn the whole hunting and fishing thing from my mom and dad. It comes from my mom's side of the family. It was my grandfather and my uncle, who uh, a lot of these guys have had a chance to meet and, and go to hunt some turkeys with. But some of 
my memories of going to deer camp with those guys on opening rifle weekend and me carrying around an empty BB gun just to be one of the guys in camp was such an incredibly powerful thing for me. And as my life gets more and more complicated with planes, trains, automobiles, personal, professional, all of that combined, slowing it down for a couple of days, prioritizing making this happen means a lot for me yeah. here and around. So hopefully we do it again in turkey season coming up. Uh, have you back in Lynchburg or, or maybe in Kentucky with some of these guys, but um, prioritizing to make that happen has been something that I've done a better job of over the last few years, making sure that I take the time out because I leave a better version of myself. I truly believe that when I, I I'm around people like this and I leave a few days, um, I really do believe that. So, but for me, it all goes back to those early memories. Some of the most impressionable memories of my life were at places like this different part of the country, different animal, different season, but the same principle, good people telling stories, no levels, no titles. Uh, I wasn't drinking whiskey back then, but I can today. And that uh, makes it even more fun. I love hunt camp. That was very well said. I, I, I agree by the same principles, hundred percent that it's just special. You can't take it for granted. The Jack Daniels hot seat. Here we go. If you had to listen to one hip hop song on the way home to Louisville, what's it going to be? Oof. Notorious B.I.G. Sky's the limit. Something goes bad in your life and you're on death row. What's your last meal? Probably smoked buffalo wings. Smoked buffalo wings. Yeah. Is that smoked wings they, tossed in buffalo sauce? Yeah. Uh, dry rub, buffalo sauce. If they were good for it, I'd eat them every day. Love wow. Them. Do they have good ones at Buffalo Wild Wings? This isn't part of the hot seat. Mama. I'm giving a plug to Mama's in Louisville. Mama's smoked Buffalo wings. Smoked Wings oh, in Louisville, Kentucky. So good. Mama, does she know that Mama's. that commercial read is going to cost some money? <laughs> Summerfield, make a call. Um, what's your go-to in the Jack Daniels offering? Jack Daniels single barrel. Neat. Neat, meaning no rocks, no, no rocks. ice, just room temperature. Yeah, fun fact, I cannot make a cocktail. I couldn't make a Jack and Coke. Really? I'm a terrible cocktail maker. Last question on the Jack Daniels hot seat. Thank you all for listening to another episode of This Life Ain't for Everybody, presented by the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Best athlete in the world, go. Not Chad Belding. Wrong again. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone? I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?